You're listening to Travel Nursing and Allied Life, hosted by Travcon. Good afternoon, and I hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hi, everybody. I'm Cindy Weiss. And I'm Tricia Novak. And And we're we're here here with Newbie News. We hope everybody had a really good year and have starting off the new year. I know a lot of people are trying to get into the travel market right now. So we're going to have a new topic today. And the topic is going to be, is the money worth it? Yeah, that's a great, great topic now. Very timely with everything going on. It really is. And if you're following any of the Facebook feeds or social media feeds, there's a lot of talk about now uh, different scenarios where nurses are getting into this new pandemic crisis jobs uh, because they want that money and not anybody can blame you for wanting that money but are you really ready and what does it really take to be a travel nurse and what's expected from you and of course forefront for all of our worries and concerns is patient safety. That's definitely something you have to think about you know um, when you're scoping out some of these these new assignments and yeah that money is uh, looks very, very attractive, but there are a lot of long-term things that you really need to take into consideration um, before you are. jump into that. Definitely are, and I don't know, like I'm reading more and more that hospitals, if you put in your resignation and they know you're going to be a traveler, then they are making you a do not return to their facilities. So I know the discussion is, well, just don't tell them, but there's so much social media and I guarantee you if you're looking at it somebody you're working with is probably also looking at it so it's not going to stay a secret it doesn't matter if you don't tell them or do tell them because most likely they're going to find out that's what you're doing. Hospitals themselves actually do a lot of vetting um, of candidates and well too and that is that is a resource that they use as well too is social media because so many people post so much of their lives on there Mm -hmm. so Perhaps a little bit of a cautionary tale too. Be careful what you're putting out online, because what you do, what what you put out there is pretty much game for the entire world, and oh, you just truth. you just don't know what the consequences are going to be, um, you know, for all that. Right. So I was reading uh, yesterday or the day before in uh, one of those sites, and I'm sorry I can't remember, but I think it may be facilities cancellation, the data mm-hmm. the database that they are following, but it was a the scenario from an from a travel nurse talking about in an ICU situation because that's kind of the big jobs right now ICU and med surge they're very overwhelmed they're getting tons of patients you know when it's normally one to one or one to two in those in those areas they're getting three four and five patients and they're all very very sick patients on drips and ventilators and lines and all kinds of things so you know can imagine taking care of two of those much less three four or five but the scenario was that a nurse who had only six months of experience was assigned and I I don't think she was a traveler I think she was just assigned to that patient she accepted the assignment a patient who had multiple drips multiple lines including uh, art lines uh, and was on some kind of machinery and I'm sorry I'm not an ICU nurse doing those kind of machines but but one of them I kind of think was a dialysis machine and she didn't know how to maintain those those equipment and those lines. And subsequently she lost the art line and something else happened with the machine and the patient died. So there she is six months of experience 
and now her patient is dead. And, you know, there's probably going to be an inquiry and all of those things. So potentially she's going to be done in her nursing career because number one, she accepted that. She accepted that assignment and didn't have the experience. And, and, you know, everybody's like, well, why didn't the other nurse help her? But nobody has time. This is, this is crisis. We are in crisis mode in some of these areas where, you know, you don't hit that floor knowing, knowing your, your business, then you're putting yourself, your, and your patients, your patient safety at risk. Yeah, that's a great cautionary tale. Um, even if that uh, nurse wasn't a traveler, um, there's a lesson to be learned for, um, you know, for newbies um, about, you know, accepting assignments within your skill levels, you know, talking with your managers about what kinds of assignments you're going to be expected to take on that travel assignment. I think that's where the interview process is very, very important because, you know, you want those things, you want those things clarified right up front. So everybody knows what the expectations of each other are. And city, but I'm hearing so many more and more, you know, these, these facilities are so busy and the managers are so busy that they're just doing, they're, they're offering assignments. They're offering contracts without even having an interview. You know, how do you feel about that? Oh, that's, that would, that that would be a no, that that would be a no-go for me. Uh, I want to talk to the manager or I want to talk to somebody in charge. I want to know what the situation is that I am walking into. I want to know exactly what kinds of patients I'm going to be expected to take. I want to know what the floating policy is. I want to know um, directly. And then that way um, they're clear about what I'm comfortable with. Um, I'm clear as to what their expectations are. And it's just, to me, another important tool to be able to, to determine whether or not, you know, this contract I'm considering is going to be a good fit for both of us. So I would never, I personally would never accept a job without, without some kind of a phone interview. So just to explain to newbies, the, um, pathway that it takes to get there. So you apply you apply for the job, you send, your recruiter sends it in, they say, oh yeah, we're auto offering you a job. And you say back to your recruiter, yeah, but I have these questions. So mm-hmm. you're giving to your recruiter now your list of questions that you think you would ask in an interview. Mm-hmm. And those questions get passed on now to what they call the, um, oh, the like the account manager. So, because the account manager is the only person who then can talk with the next step up, which is either your vendor services or your hospital people. So there's a, right. there's a, there's a person in between there. So I kind of feel like many times when, when we're seeing some of these answers, the account manager who really doesn't is not medical and doesn't really know what's going on is making up answers and giving them back to the yeah recruiter who's then giving them to the nurse so I don't really think you're getting if you're not talking to someone at that facility I don't think you can guarantee that you're getting accurate information and not that you know it's not accurate but if it's an account manager and she says well I think I think you know they they don't Mm -hmm. know they don't have a clue they're not nurses they're not medical people they're people who run a business they're a business person, not a medical person. So I, it's just important that you know that that's kind of the 
the steps that it takes to get to it. And it's going to extend how long it takes for you to decide if you're going to take the offer or not take the offer. But I think it's so, so very important that you know, because, you know, if they're telling you, like we're, we're slammed busy and yes, some of our people are getting three, four or five, or in a med surge situation, six, eight, 10 patients, and they're all COVID or, you know, whatever. And then you don't have any techs or, you know, those are important questions. Yes, they are. And, and, and so the other thing I think we should to address is if you are not traveling in your specialty, so if your specialty is ER, ICU, med search, whatever your specialty is, but you decide like, oh, I really want that money. You know, that $10,000 looks great to me. I really want that money. I can do, I can do this, but you're not trained in that specialty. I would just caution you to be very, very careful because this is pandemic. This is crisis. And this is not what your training and what you have learned to do consists of. I would second that caution. Um, most definitely. Hospitals are hiring you because they expect you to have a certain skill level, a certain knowledge level, and a certain level of, comp of competence that they can just plug you into the situation and let yeah. you go. And With if minimal, you are yes. busy trying to figure out how to work the dialysis machine, or you don't know the basics of, of handling your lines, I mean, it's one thing, everybody has their own um, protocols and things, you know, obviously, you know, you're going to have to learn hospital protocol as you go along, but the basics, the basics of your specialty. And I think that's why we really emphasize that you need a couple of years of experience. Um, I, I know when, uh, when friends and colleagues ask me about it, I tell them minimum two years. That's kind of what I say, because, you know, those first couple of years in your specialty, you are still constantly learning. And those are the kind of street knowledge that hospitals want from their travelers. So I know it's sometimes very frustrating to someone who's got six, eight, 12 months of experience. They're looking at all these fabulous contracts with all of this, you know, amazing money that they're offering right now because they are in such a crisis for a lot of these specialties. But you know what? Is it worth is it worth your livelihood? Is it worth right. your license? And I think that um, that's the that's the second part of this is you know think about your long term plans because cr this crisis is not going to last forever. We hope. Yes. <laughs> and we hope. Yes. We hope. And so all of you have many 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 people leaving their jobs to go out into the travel world so that they can make this money. And so when the crisis or the hospital's numbers are down, guess who the first person who's going to go? The first person is their highest paying traveler. Yeah. So you may get there towards the end of a, of a crisis. You might work a week or two weeks or, you know, who knows? And then you don't have a job. Yeah. And you, you've quit your hospital. So now your hospital's possibly made you a do not return employee. So you can't mm -hmm. go home and work unless you've got other options at home. And there are so many people flooding the market to become traveler, crisis travelers that there's not going to be that market for you to continue in the travel market. It's mm -hmm. going to be over flooded with that. So you need to think about long-term, what are my 
goals and what are my plans when this isn't here anymore and, yeah. and I can't get another job. So if, you know, I, I always just think about what if you went, you gave up your $80,000 a year job to go make $100,000, but you only got to make 20 because then yeah. you got canceled. So then what are you going to do? So I, you know, don't burn a bridge if you don't have to understand that social media is there. And even if you don't tell them, there's a good chance they're going to find out. And even after the fact, they can still make you a do not return. Mm -hmm. You cannot in most facilities go back to work in that facility, even if you're not a do not return as a traveler, you can't go back as a traveler for at least usually a year and sometimes two years of being gone. So yeah. even though there's a hole there and all your friends are saying, hey, come back, just be the traveler. You can't even do that by most most hospital policies. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just I think people need to understand that there are ramifications while you're thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to make all this money. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to do all these things. And then that falls through. Do you have a plan B? And I think people need to start planning for plan B because now we have now we have our vaccines out there. We're working on them. I think we're going to see another big rise in numbers since Christmas holidays and the year's holidays. But I think that once that rise comes, we're going to start seeing the drop. And when we start seeing the drop, we're also going to see the job market drop. Mm -hmm. my prediction yeah. that is a prediction from just me but I've been in here for a long time and I've watched it rise and fall but you know this is the first pandemic so we shall see you know what really happens yeah that's very good advice especially about always having a plan b and even having a plan c um right. even just simple things like you know um what happens when the contracts dry up? You know, you should always have a little bit of reserve. You should always have some savings, you know, mm -hmm. or if that contract gets canceled a couple weeks after you get there, um, depending on what you've made, made arrangements for for housing, you still may be on the hook for a large chunk, chunk of money for housing. So right. if you're living paycheck to paycheck, that's going to be an issue. Mm -hmm. So another and good and even if you Even if you take that big money and you paid off all your bills, and then you can't get another job. Guess what? Your credit card bills just went back up again. So you're back in the same spot. <laughs> so it's always good to have a reserve. It's always yes. good to be able. Uh, it, it's always good to have that. You know, fall. You know, uh, fall back on. Uh, right. You know, as well too. And always have that plan B or in even a plan C. Um, you know, to be able to do that. You know, it'll definitely help with the stress level. And if you know things happen, things happen all the time. And as right. a traveler, you definitely do need to learn how to swing with, um, you know, to swing with the changes there. Um, mm -hmm. It's just the nature, it's the nature of the biz. We're both now, I'm going to start my new contract uh, next week. You're already in the middle of a contract, but at any given time, you know, it, can be gone. it, it, could, all change. it could all change. So, right. and I just want to just stress, like, you just got to be prepared with your skill level and honest definitely. and really think, you know, you can't just, if you're a rural nurse in a hospital that does just about everything, that's great because you have to learn to be creative sometimes and what you can do, but then you get to a big hospital who has all this equipment you've never seen before in your life and you don't know how to use it. And then, and then you start asking questions like, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do... So then when you're asking those questions, the staff is thinking, you don't know what you're doing. 
-hmm. You don't, you know, and so then the staff does, you know, the, the, we're seeing a lot of complaints, like the staff is like treating you badly because obviously you don't know what you're doing. You did know what you were doing in the setting that you came from, but now you put yourself into a setting that you've never seen before. So that's mm -hmm. something else to consider whenever you're looking at, at assignments, like try to match what you're, try to match where you came from to where you're going so that you're not getting thrown into things you know. And, you know, ho hopefully not bad treatment from the staff, but everybody, you know, everybody in the, in this world and, and in nursing, I don't care if you're in the middle of the COVIDs, I don't care what you're doing, you're, you're dealing with it. And there's a stress level that, that we're all dealing with. So, you know, luckily in our, in our field, we see very little of it, but we see it and we still have to deal with it. And we still have to, you know, come to grips with what we have to do as, as nurses in, in the deaths that we're seeing from, from COVID as well. Yeah. We're just not there with eight or 10 patients of it constantly. And, you know, four or five die on you on a shift, you know, which also there was another nurse in New York when, when it first started. I don't know if you've seen this one, but she was taking care of a patient who unfortunately was the wife of a physician and apparently wasn't quite prepared for what was going on and didn't understand. And, that patient died and that doctor has sued her. So Gosh. above everything else, you have to know, you have to maintain everything that happens within your board of nursing. So, you know, just because it's a pandemic doesn't say you can use the excuse, well, I was too busy or I didn't know because you still are a nurse and you still come under those board rules. So yes, please, please. absolutely. Please just, you know, be very conscious about that. And, you know, if you're, if you're in there and you realize that you're over your head, do something different before a patient dies that doesn't need to have died and, or you lose your license. You know, that's your livelihood. That's your, that's your, your income. You know, you might be that single parent family and you went to do it thinking that, man, I'm going to get a hold from my family and now you have nothing. And where did your family end up? So I just want everybody to understand that you have to be will, able to hit the floor doing everything that you need to do in terms of nursing care. You know, you might not know their protocol or you might not know where something is. Those kind of questions are, are very acceptable to facilities. But if you're asking them every time, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? In terms of just technique or, or skills, then they're, they're going to start questioning you. Yeah, absolutely. So let me throw this question out to you, Trish. Malpractice insurance. Absolutely. You know what? And there's, there's that two sides of the coin, and I've heard both. Do you take it? Because if you have it and there's a lawsuit, the first thing they're going to ask you is, do you have malpractice insurance? <laughs> because they're going to go after you. They're going to try to get it. And if you don't have it and they you know, unfortunately, and especially in the travel world, you're going to be the scapegoat. You know, mm -hmm. the hospital's going to try to not take the, the responsibility. Your agency definitely is not going to take the responsibility. So if something bad happens, you're it. Yeah. And if you don't have any insurance to help cover you paying those expenses, hire an attorney, whatever, then you're also now back to square one or even less than where you started. So personally, I carry it. I um, 
just because of some situations for you, from where you and I just came from, I think it was extremely important to have it. Um, mm -hmm. And just, and because you never know, I mean, you never know, but you are, you, even though we say our, our recruiters back us up or we try to do all those things, there's, if that outcome is bad, you're, you're out there on a limb and that limb is almost breaking and you're on it by yourself. Yeah, I think it's especially important for travelers to consider getting medical malpractice insurance. Years ago, people who wanted to, who, you know, who wanted or needed to sue would sue the deep pockets, which is usually the physicians, usually the hospitals. Right. As a general rule of thumb, nurses right. weren't necessarily targeted. However, mm -hmm. that picture has shifted significantly over these last few years. And so if you are somebody that owns a home, has any kind of assets whatsoever, right. um, then again, now as a traveler, you're kind of working as an independent contractor. So you, uh, you know, it's kind of you against the hospital. Yes, you're, you've got an agency, but your agency's, you know, has probably a limited liability shield as well too. Right. So yes, by all means, I also would strongly recommend uh that uh before you hit the road uh, you know on your travel adventure seriously consider about malpractice insurance it's inexpensive it's peace of mind and it's definitely something that i wouldn't i wouldn't be out on the road without it either right and Absolutely. i think that the shift that you're saying is is we've become we've become more professionals so we've been given yes. more and more responsibilities and, you know, like we have to know what the labs are. We have to know what the ramifications are. We have to know what their drugs are. We have to know if the doctor ordered them right. And they're going to go backwards when they're, when they're trying to prove a case, they're going to go backwards. And, and we're always like the bottom of the line there. Like if we make that mistake, it didn't matter. Pharmacy made it. We're still, we're still responsible for checking the pharmacy. We're responsible for checking what the doctor's right. We're responsible. So mm -hmm. as we become more and more professionals instead of caretakers, that responsibility is coming back to us. And, and I think that's where we're seeing that big shift. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Well, this has turned out to be a very gloomy little podcast with all of these uh, <laughs> serious stories and things, but I think it does raise a lot of really good issues um, for people to think, you know, it's not all just uh, road trips and glamor when it you're out not. there on the road. You know, and, and sadly in this, in this COVID world, it's, it's not really glamour out here because no. where you are, things are closed down anyway. So you might as well just work <laughs> <laughs> or stay home. And I hope everybody like really contributes, stay home, wear your mask, do all those things uh, to help us, you know, be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, yes, it kind of is a gloomy thing, but I, I just want people to really, hear that they're you know what the whole process is and what what it could lead to if you're not careful and you know be safe out there be safe with with your funds be safe with your family be safe with your patients and definitely be safe with your license because you know yeah. we all worked very hard for that license I know and, and with three degrees that's the hardest license I've ever had to get so yeah absolutely well we thank everybody for tuning in we hope the information that we've shared in our conversations has 
has uh, given you some good thoughts or um, some food for thought at least about considering the, an adventure out on the road. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, please leave them on the travcon.org site and uh, we'll do our best in future podcasts to address them. Yes, we will. And we hope that we will see you at TravCon in September in Las Vegas. Yay. So remember and put that on your calendar. We hope to see you there. Happy New Year. Be safe. And we bless every one of you for being out there and doing what we have to do. Absolutely. What she said. Or actually what she said. <laughs> Which one said. I don't know which way the camera's it's, going. It's so, it's so, it seems so strange we're not in the same place anymore. So Yeah, for the first time in a long time, we are not in the same place. We're actually at opposite ends of the country. So we'll be split screening, but still coming your way, hopefully with some good information and and, you know, occasionally a little fun, a uh, fun along the way. So right, look so forward this, to seeing you next time. Yeah. I'm signing off, Trisha with Newbie News. And I'm signing off as well, Cindy with Newbie News. We'll see you later.